0: Hey, it's great! It's great to be with you and uh, the home of the jackalope. I I didn't I didn't know, you know. I've been into airports and like museums, and I see these jackalope everywhere. And I believe I'm a believer. I'm buying a license before I leave, so uh, I, I'm really excited to be with you. As mentioned, my name's Paul. Um, I've been a pastor for 36 years. <clears throat> And if that's confusing, that's because I started when I was 12, so no, not actually. But I, I have a heart for uh, local churches. I have a heart for pastors. In addition to to pastoring uh, in Helena, Montana, I also coach pastors from all over the nation, so we do Zoom conferencing and those kind of things, and um, I, just, I just have a heart to encourage the local church and, and pastors, and so I'm excited to be able to be with you. I do have four kids um, my kids are all grown up, and my wife and I are finally empty nesters. We've been empty nesters for a month and a half, and it is awesome, right? And uh, it, it's, it's been great. But um, my, my greatest adventure, so my four kids gave me a gray beard, and the reward is uh, I have six grandkids. And so my wife is called Mimi. I'm called Poppy. Um, I want to show you my grandkids real quick. I just wanted to connect with you, so... Uh, this is my wife and I and our oldest two granddaughters. That's Josie and Evelyn. And then we have a quick picture of their youngest sister, Sarah, with the purple hair. So my connection to Wyoming, these three girls, their mom, Haley, is from Powell, Wyoming. And um, they, she now lives in Helena with my son, three granddaughters. And it's really important that I'm a good poppy in their life. Um, my daughter-in-law's dad passed away in a horseback riding accident. When she was 15 years old, and so I'm the only poppy that they have, and it's really important for me that I do a good job and just just love on these girls. And then um, two more that'll pop up are siblings. This is this is Atticus, and this is his sister Nora. And uh, I, I got the same shot of both of them. They're uh, Nora's in her sec- second year. She's uh, two two years and three months old or something. The other day uh, we went to a high school basketball game, and Nora was there with her parents in the stands, and again, she calls my wife Mimi, and she calls me Poppy, and she got them mixed up. She combined them together and called us Peepy, <laughs> and uh, in front of the whole crowd, like anyone who could hear, and uh, Nora Nora and Atticus, uh, they live uh, on part of our property, and then last one is uh, my grandson, Rhett. He's next to a 40-inch northern pike. He lives in Michigan, and uh, he was just born in December of this past year. My wife and I get to travel back to Michigan in January, visit with them a little bit and um, i just I just love I love my grandkids i think how many think grandkids are a gift from god right and and so i i 'm um, super excited to be able to be with you guys um, and just to provide a little bit of opportunity for your pastors to spend time with their families, whether it 's their kids or their spouse or Um, Just them being able to invest and have some time of refreshing together. Fifteen years ago, last Sunday, uh, last week marked the 15th year, I preached my first message in Helena, Montana. Uh, My family's originally from Michigan, so we drove over with the moving van and all that kind of stuff, and the end of January, beginning of February, 15 years ago, in the middle of wintry weather, and um, no idea what we were doing, so... How many of you know following Jesus can have its challenges sometimes, right? We really believe that God wanted us to come to Helena, Montana. And matter of fact, my wife, uh, when we were in the decision-making process, she kept saying, I don't want to go to Montana. I don't even know where Montana is. Like, I I don't want to go, you know. And she ran out into a field behind her house in Michigan. And she was crying. Tears were running down her face. She ran out in the field and she was like, God, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And God just, you know, she had this thought occur to her. It just was like God speaking to her saying, if you don't let go of what you're holding on to, you can never take hold of what I have for you. What I have coming for you. And... Boy, we, we had no idea what God had in store for us. In the last 10 years, we've been there 15 years, in the last 10 years, 1,300 people have said yes to following Jesus. 500 people have been baptized in Helena, Montana at the church that I pastor. Really amazing. I'm so excited about your baptismal service. I mean, I've gone up on, I've, I've climbed up, hour and a half ride in a, like a Jeep to get up to a mountain lake to baptize a couple. I baptized a, a gal she wanted to get baptized in February in the Missouri River in Montana. And I was like, I'm wearing waders, like, I don't, why do you want to do this? And she was like, I live my life wild without Jesus. I want to live wild for Jesus. And I, I wanted to read just one other, because how many of you know when people get baptized, it's not about the, it's not just about the the church, like this church or the church that I pastor. It's a capital C church, right? It's, all of us following Jesus. And I wanted to just share one more story with you that this is actually posted on Facebook from one of the gals that got baptized in our church a while back. And her name's Tasha. She said, four months ago, my life was a wreck. Relationships, finances, emotional struggles, work challenges, the list goes on. And all the people close to me were literally trying to hold me up. She said, I'm driving home from work in tears, so frustrated in the working environment I was in, and I could not handle one more day. She said, I'm praying. It's in all caps, praying, because she said, I wasn't religious, didn't grow up in church, wasn't even sure if I believed in prayer or the power of Jesus. I was gonna mess with some of your theology a little bit, but she, she's like, I don't even know if I believe in prayer or I believe in Jesus. I'm praying, I'm crying, and I suddenly get a text message while she's praying. She doesn't believe in prayer or Jesus, And it says that I got the job finally. I've never thanked God as much as I did that day and every day since. God's timing is perfect. Why is this significant? I had been applying for jobs for over a year, over 40 of them. And while she's praying, she's not even sure if she believes. She gets a text and she gets the job. Then she says this. Fast forward a month after I've uprooted my child, bought a new home, still struggling in so many things. I'm sitting in church for maybe the third time in my entire life, between two, one of my, two of my dearest friends, and our pastor says something like this, if you're in the middle of a mess, or, or some of you are in the middle of a mess right now, I start paying attention because I'm in the middle of a freaking mess. I'm just quoting from her. And uh, the sermon goes on and the pastor says, a line that changes my life, my faith, my love, the pastor says, as if speaking directly to me, if it's not good, then God's not done. Referencing Romans 8 28, I'm crying yet again because I have just figured out that God has me. He always has, and I should follow or, and I should let him in and follow Jesus. I mean, no, that's an amazing story of how God works in someone's life. And uh, I'm just, I, I get so excited about water baptisms and what what that means and how significant that is. So as I mentioned, I'm excited to be with you today. Um, I uh, I just want uh, to strengthen your faith. I wanna I wanna be a breath of fresh air. So I'm I'm gonna try to keep the me- I'm gonna try to stop the message before you're done listening. That's my goal. And and um, you know I, I just uh, sometimes uh, you know for pastors we, we just listen to self talk. One time I went into the hospital to visit somebody. Uh, this is before COVID. And the guy, I said to the guy at the counter, "I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm here to uh, visit so and so." He said, "Finally, I get to tell you where to go and how to get there." So, like, um, anyway, I wanna, I wanna encourage you, and I wanna just thank you as a church for giving your pastors an opportunity to go away and be refreshed. You'll be rewarded for that. You know, the Bible says, "He who refreshes others will himself be." refreshed. And so I just want to commend you for doing that. I I was mentioning to somebody, I flew into Salt Lake City and I was looking out the window and the lake, like the big lake is drying up in Salt Lake. Like they 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 cut off all the avenues of water to flow in. And my stewardess on the plane, she lives in Salt Lake and she said, you know, I have a place and my place used to be not far from the water. And now my place is a mile from the water. Like the water's dried up this much. It's just because nothing's coming in, you know, and, and I, I'm, I just promise you, you want to make sure that your pastors are getting filled up. Because you can get way off course if you're not, and so I just want to encourage you to do everything you can to make sure your pastors are getting filled up. You'll be blessed as a church by doing that, so I want to commend you for doing that. I want to, I want to talk to you about just staying centered or focused on Jesus, and I'll, I'll kind of start with this question how many of you have ever walked into a room and you got in there and you completely forgot what you were in the room for? Look around, because all the old people are raising their hand right now, and my hand's up too, right? Like, uh, like how, you, you, have you ever done this? You're like, now what, what, what was I looking for, right? You walk out, you try to remember, you walk in you still can't remember, I know it's gonna come to me. Anybody besides me, right? Like, we do this, and sometimes I think this happens like in life, We forget, like we come to church, and we forget what we're here for. We forget what it's all about. We're going through life, and we forget what life is all about. And the truth is, it's all about Jesus. It's all about following Jesus. It's all about focusing our life on Jesus. That's what I want to talk to you about today, being a Christ-centered church. And I want to talk to you about why you want to keep your eye on Jesus, and why as a church you want to stay centered on Jesus. So, in Matthew chapter 14, as somebody already mentioned, um, I want to I go through the story of, of, of a perfect storm. And uh, we're just going to go verse by verse. If you have a Bible, you can open there. If you don't, the verses are going to be on the screen. Matthew 14, it says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now this is Jesus. He's telling his followers, Get into the boat. I want you to go to the other side of the sea. Now, let me explain what's happening here. This is at the end of a long day. How many of you have ever had a long day before? I mean, your kid messes their diapers, and it doesn't stay in the diapers, right? Like, your older kids drive your golf balls all over a field and don't collect any of them and leave your golf clubs out. Your vehicle won't work. You're mad. Anybody ever have a long day before? Like, everything that can go bad has. This is where Jesus is, okay? Matter of fact, if you read two stories before this, Jesus is in his hometown, Nazareth, and the people of his town reject him. They're like, oh, this is Mary and Joseph's son. You know, he's, he's nobody important or special. And they, they kind of get offended at Jesus. And so they actually hold on to their offense rather than experiencing the miracles of Jesus. Don't you think that's sad? They like get offended by Jesus, and instead of experiencing his miracles, they hold on to their offense. Matter of fact, there was this woman that came to Jesus that he offended. She uh, she wasn't even Jewish, and she said, "Jesus, my child is demon possessed with you. Heal my child." And Jesus said, "Hey, I've come for the lost sheep of Israel. You know, and, and you're just a dog." He called her a dog. Anybody here get offended by that? And the lady said, "Yeah, but even the dogs eat scraps from under the table." You remember that story? She chose not to get offended, and instead, she experienced a miracle. In Jesus' hometown, they chose to be offended and didn't get to experience a miracle. Offense is a big thing. So then uh, you go on in the story. uh, Next thing that happens, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, is beheaded. We won't get into the whole story, but Jesus is sad about this. He's trying to sneak away from people, and then crowds are following him. He can't even get a moment to himself. And at the end of this long day, he does this amazing miracle for people. And I want to point this out because a life centered on Jesus isn't just one high after the next high after the next high. How many of you know you can follow Jesus and still have problems in your life? You you can go through struggles and hardships, right? And, And so, like, these guys are following Jesus. And I'll say this, too. A bad day with Jesus is better than a bad day without him. You're going to go through bad days, so I'd rather go through a bad day with Jesus than a bad day without him. At the end of this day, right before he sends his disciples away, Jesus does this amazing miracle for the crowd. He, uh, he, he takes five loaves of bread and two fish, and he feeds 5,000 people. How many of you want that Jesus in your house? You got teenagers, right? Like, Jesus, come on. And... Uh, he, he, he does this amazing miracle and there's 12 baskets of food left over, one for each of his exhausted disciples. It's an incredible miracle. And then it says right here, immediately after he does this, he tells his disciples to get in the boat and go before him to the other side. I want you to notice it says he made them. Hold on to that for a minute. These guys are fishermen. You got to wonder why did he make them get into the boat and go to the other side? And then Jesus dismisses the crowd look let's look at why the next verse here it is it says this it says that after he dismissed the crowd he went up on a mountain by himself to pray and, whoop, is that me that's me isn't it i'm so sorry can can we just give a hand to the sound and tech team they're doing an ama- they've done an amazing job sorry about that keep the beard out of the way oh He dismisses the crowd. He goes up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. I want you to catch this. Don't miss this. Jesus loved spending time with the Father. He loved to pray. He loved to be with his Father. And he'd get up early. Sometimes he'd stay up late. Here's the great news. You and I can talk to our Father just like Jesus did. Isn't that great news? A few years ago, we were kind of going through this uh, drought in Montana. We're still going through it. I mean just like you guys, not a lot of snow right now. But a few years ago, I was like, I'm going to pray for snow. And it started snowing and snowing. We've got like two winters of just tons of snow. And my custodians would kind of use my name as a curse word because they're like, you prayed for snow and look at all the snow. We have to clean the sidewalks all the time. I'm like, hey, you have the same father. You can pray too, right? Like we can all pray. And uh, Jesus, he's, he, he, goes, he spends time with the father. Now, How many of you know we all usually do the opposite of what Jesus did? Jesus dismissed the crowd to spend time with the Father. We often dismiss the Father to spend time with the crowd. And we're we're, we're like, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to talk to God. I got too many things to do. So much going on. But Jesus takes time to pray. And really, when you think about it, You don't have to have some great prayer strategy. You just got to want to pray. You got to want to talk to God. And when you do, God, you'll find a way to pray and talk to him. Verse 24 says this. But the boat by this time was a long way from land. It was beaten by the waves for the wind was against them, right? So think about this for a minute. Jesus is peaceful and calm on the shore and his followers are out in the middle of a storm. Jesus is praying, and his disciples are panicking. How many of you have ever felt like this before? God is calm up in heaven. Everything's cool, and my life's a crazy mess right now. Anyone besides me? And this is what's going on, right? And Jesus is like, he's on the shore. Everything's good. Now, these storms are common around the Sea of Galilee. I've been there before. They're 700 feet below sea level, and the, the, the range around the Sea of Galilee is like 2,000 feet above and cold air would often rush in off the mountain range and pour down over the lake and storms could come up out of nowhere. They just, boom, there's a storm. This is why the disciples didn't want to get in the boat. Jesus made them And this is kind of why you have to think about this, because these guys are fishermen. They understand how the lake works. They understand what's happening. Jesus says, get in the boat. And now they're out in the middle of a storm. And they're fishermen, and they're scared. I want you to put yourself in the boat for just a minute, really. Just put yourself in the boat. Think about this. You're exhausted from rowing. How many of you are not nice when you're tired? Like when I was tired and my kids were young, they would go to the other side of the bed to wake up their mother. They don't want to wake me up, right? Think about these guys there. It's, this is not row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, okay? They're in a storm, their bodies are aching, their hands are probably blistered, they're frustrated, they're tired. And frustrations rising toward toward each other. How many of you, when you're in a difficult spot, how many of you got to find someone to blame? It must be someone's fault. Peter, this is your fault. Or or like, you know, and, and they just start, they're upset with each other. They're frustrated. And you start talking to yourself, saying things like, never again. I'm never going to listen to Jesus again. He needs to stick to miracles. He can't tell us when to go out in the boat. We're not doing this anymore, right? Like they're like They're frustrated. They're tired. And just talking to themselves. And look what happens. Verse 25, in the fourth watch, everybody say fourth watch. Little interaction, okay? Fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Now, how many of you know without seeing some guy walk on the sea? How many know this is scary enough? Like storms are scary events. These are the stuff we make movies of. You know, the perfect storm, and, and you're helpless against nature. When I was a, a kid, uh, my grandfather had a little flat bottom uh, boat, and he had a two and a half horse Johnson motor. If you're like, well, what? How how big of a motor is? it? Not very big, okay. And he and I went out fishing on one of the lakes in Michigan, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this storm came up, and literally, I'm not exaggerating, as, as a kid, when, when, the, when the, we'd go down in the wave, all you could see on either side of you were waves on both sides of you. And then when you went up, you wish you were back down again, because it was so far down. You're like, we are going to die, okay? We were, I was just scared to death. You can tell the end of the story. We, we survived. But, uh... You know, we've all faced storms in life like this, haven't we? You know, we go through situations where someone we love is sick and they're dying. We're going through, we go to the gas pump and gas prices are $4 and what? A gallon, right? Or, or we lose a job or we go through things in life and we're just struggling and going through difficulties and hardships. And it's easy to lose focus on Jesus when you're in the middle of a storm, isn't it? It's easy, it's easy to get focused on the other things. Matter of fact, the fourth watch of the night, watch this. It's very late. It's somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning. This is when Jesus comes walking out on the water. They have been rowing for up to eight hours. And by the time Jesus walks out on the water, they are not centered on Jesus. They are centered on the wind and the waves and surviving and the storm, right? And and, and and their focus is thrown off. And um, we can get focused on all the problems around us, you know? How many of you find it easy to get focused on You know, we just prayed for it this morning. Like there's 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 wars that are happening in the world. We can get focused on the news that we watch in the morning. We can get focused on politics. We can get focused on COVID. We can get focused on so much raging around us. And that's just like out there in the world. And then we have our own personal stuff we're going through. And we can start to feel like, where are you, God? Like, where are you in the middle of all this? And notice, I want you to see this. Jesus comes to them. He is not standing on the shoreline saying, hey, I want to give you five steps to make it to the other shoreline, right? How many of you are grateful that it's not about five steps to getting out of your storm, that Jesus like literally comes to them in the middle of the storm? Isn't that amazing? And this is the gospel. This is why Jesus came. How many of you are grateful that 2,000 years ago, in the middle of this stormy world full of chaos and misery and pain, God didn't just shout down from the heaven, but he sent his only son to walk out into the middle of our life, die on a cross, be buried in a tomb, rise again? How many of you are grateful that Jesus comes in the storm? That's, that's, that, this is the gospel, right? Like, he comes right out into the middle of what's happening. My question for him, I'm so grateful that he does it, but why did he have to come so late? <laughs> like, why? Couldn't he come sooner? Have you ever wondered, like, where are you? Like, God, why? It's getting late. Like, hey, you need to come through here. And I think this. I think that Jesus shows up at the last minute when no one else is going to get credit that you can only, there's only one way this is going to happen. That Jesus is the hero. How many, of you, how many of you believe this to be true? Jesus should be the hero of the story. He's the hero of the church. He's the hero of my life. I'm not the savior of the world. He is. I'm not the savior of the church. He is. And he's going to be the hero of the story. That's why I think he comes at a time where it's like only God could do this. Matthew 14, 27, it says this immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. Now I know we sent a bunch of kids downstairs, but I'm going to give you some homework. I want to encourage you to memorize this verse. I, I want to encourage you to let this verse just resound through your church and through your community. Take heart, you know, take heart, it's me. Don't be afraid, right? Take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. What if that started resonating through our hearts and lives? You know what? Jesus is with us. He said he'd never leave us or forsake us. No matter what we're going through, no matter what happens around us, he is with us and we don't need to be afraid. I've been asking myself this question for several years now. like, Who is Jesus? Like, If he shows up and he's like, don't be afraid, it's me. Who is Jesus? I know Jesus as my Savior and I know Him as as my Lord. When I was uh, when I was five years old, I kind of I was growing up in a messed up home in Flint, Michigan. If you don't know Flint, Michigan, Flint, Michigan is where the auto industry just kind of moved up out of Detroit up to Saginaw. Detroit, Flint, and Saginaw are the three, three of the top 15 most dangerous cities in the whole United States, okay? It's called the I-75 Corridor. I was born in Flint, raised in Saginaw, and then I pastored in Detroit, okay? I've been, and, but I, but I, when, I, when I was a little kid, my dad and mom, they both went to Catholic school, Catholic church, they were raised in Catholicism. When they graduated from high school, they got married shortly after that. My dad decided they didn't know about religion. He was for sure an agnostic, like maybe there is a God, maybe there isn't, maybe an atheist. I don't even know if there really is a God. He was an alcoholic. And um, I I can remember as a kid, my brother and I would always be saying, are you guys going to get divorced? Are you going to get divorced? A lot of fighting. My mom was suicidal. She actually had a tree picked out in Flint, Michigan, that she was going to hang herself on when she turned 25. She said, when I turn 25, I'm going to end my life. I don't want to live anymore. And when my parents were in their 25th year, end of their 24th, 25th year, two of my dad's high school friends who were married came back, and they sat in the backyard of this little kid's house in the backyard and cut off blue jeans on those old uh, chairs, lawn chairs that you set out, and they started telling my mom and dad about Jesus. That's not about religion. That Jesus is real. He can change your life. And Jesus came into my family, and he changed everything. My dad became a school teacher. then he became a pastor. He pastored for 25 years in Harrison, Michigan. My mom, the year that she said she was going to take her life, found new life, in Jesus. How many of you know Jesus really is a Savior? He really is. And he's above our circumstances. The amazing thing about Jesus is that he can take, he can make something out of nothing, and he can make nothing out of something. How many of you are good at making something out of nothing? Any worriers here? You go to bed at night, all of a sudden it's like a little problem. It's like, I don't know what it is. In the dark, it just grows and grows. Ah, oh, right? And this adrenaline, jing, 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 surging through your body. and we, We're good at making something out of nothing. Jesus, he actually did miracles. He made stuff out of nothing. But how many of you know he's also good at taking something and making it nothing? The storm you're in, these big waves... Don't be afraid. It's me. I'm with you. How many of you know he was making something into nothing? I love this Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans. He said, if you ever feel like you're drowning, remember your lifeguard walks on water. Isn't that good? Verse 28, I'm going to wrap up in just a couple minutes. It says, Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out on the water. Now, I know there's not supposed to be stupid questions, but how many of you know there are some? <laughs> like, okay, something's happened to Peter, or maybe not, like, he's this crazy? Think about this for a minute. He's been rowing for eight hours. They see what they think is a ghost. They hear Jesus' voice. And Peter, this is not the most brilliant moment of his life. If that's you, Jesus, tell me to come out on the water. How many of you think Peter's a little crazy? I'm grateful because there's room in the kingdom for people like me, okay, like... This guy's crazy. He's like, tell me to come out. So Jesus says, come. Peter got out of the boat. He walked on water and he came to Jesus. Like, this is just, I, I laugh every time I see this. But before we're too hard on Peter, let's remember that Peter got to walk on water. He got to walk on water. He got his focus on Jesus. Think about this. His circumstances were no longer defining him. He was not defined by the wind or the waves or the ocean or the, or the sea. He, 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 Jesus puts him on top. He was defined by the presence of Jesus. You know what? If that's you, Jesus, if you're really with me, call me out. And Jesus did, and he walked on water. You know what I believe? I believe that a Christ-centered person in a Christ-centered church can experience miraculous things. I believe that. I believe that Jesus can and does great things. You know what I'm praying for your church? And I've been praying. I get up this morning early and prayed. I've been praying for your church. I'm praying that you won't just have one Peter in your church who says, Jesus, if that's you, call me out on the water. I'm praying you'll have a boat full of people like that. Hey, Jesus, if you're with us, whatever you want us to do, here we are. We're available. Call us to whatever you want us to do, and we're going to follow you out onto the water. And look at this, verse 30, it says, when, they, when he saw the wind, Peter was afraid, and he began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus put his heel on his head and shoved him under the water. <laughs> Is that what it says? No, it says, Jesus reached out his hand and took hold of him and said, "Oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? Here's the answer to the question, why should the church stay centered on Jesus? Because the church that's centered on Jesus can walk on water, but the church that takes their eyes off Jesus, they're going to sink. How many of you know, as long as Peter kept his focus on Jesus and not the wind and the waves, he did things that weren't humanly possible, but when he took his eyes off Jesus, he started to sink. And there are so many things in our world today, right? So many things around us again, you look at like COVID or what's happening in our country or is there going to be a war or some of you are facing medical issues. People lose their job, like all these things. And if we take our eyes off Jesus, we're going to sink. We're going to sink. We have to keep our focus on him. Look at this. When they got in the boat, verse 32, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped him. Can everybody say worship? How many of you think the proper response to focusing on Jesus is worship? They get into the boat, and they worship, and they say, truly you are. Look at they, Truly you are the Son of God. I just want to encourage you to not be afraid to follow Jesus out into the deep. Take a risk. Share Jesus with people around you. Expand his kingdom. You know, this morning, he won't be watching... But there's a guy that's going to be sitting in the church that I pastor this morning. He's a secular Muslim. He's a trainer. He trains people in Helena, Montana for weightlifting. I started training with him a while back, and then COVID hit. And, and my trainer, who's a secular Muslim, he's from Turkey, he... Uh, he went through a hard time. His family got COVID, so he didn't have a job, and his job was the only one that could support his family. So a small group of us that were getting trained by him, we got together like, let's give him a little money for Christmas. I was getting ready, like I was on the phone with someone from the church, and I said, oh, I gotta go. I gotta run to the bank. I'm getting some money for my trainer. His family's going through a hard time, and the person on the phone who's never met my trainer doesn't even know him, still doesn't know him to this day, said, I'm in for $5,000. I'm sending a check right now. So we added the $5,000 to our our little $500, We gave him $5,500, and my, my trainer called me, and he started crying, he goes, nobody's name is on this, but I know that you're a part of this, and my wife and I are sitting at our table, we're crying, we don't, even, we don't even know how to respond, we don't even know what to do, and two weeks after that, my secular Muslim trainer showed up to church, and he's been coming to church for almost two years now, hasn't given his life to Jesus, but how many of you know we got to step out on the water and trust God to work in people's lives? And that's, that's what, Je- like, and then we worship because Jesus is amazing. He, he can change people's lives and situations. I didn't tell the first service that, so you got an extra story. <laughs> and I know the question for me sometimes is what if my faith fails? Have you ever been there? Like, what if I step out and then I, I freak out? Anybody besides me ever been there? And the thing I love about Jesus is when Peter starts going down, he doesn't push him down farther. He says, Give me your hand, Peter, and he pulls him out. 2 Timothy 2.13 says this, If we're faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. That's who God is. He's faithful. So my question for you is, where's your focus been? I want you to think about it for a minute. Where's your focus been? Let's get our focus back on Jesus. If you're single and you're looking for a spouse, we're going to pray for you, but don't focus on finding the spouse. Keep your focus on Jesus. Keep your focus on him. I'm praying for your pastors while they're gone. You know, you know what pastors focus on? They focus on church problems. You come to church, and and uh, every hundred people out of uh, ninety-nine people out of hundred are doing good. But if someone's struggling, do you know who your pastor's going to focus on? The person that's struggling. I had a guy one time leave church service. It's so amazing. Everyone's like, oh, great job, great job. And this guy is leaving. He shakes my hand. He goes, when you preach, you remind me of the Apostle Paul. I said, wow, thank you. He goes, remember that time he preached so long, the guy fell out of the window and died? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, thanks. You know, like, like this, is, this is, I'm, I'm praying that your, your pastors, while they're gone, I'm praying they'll have fun and be refreshed, but they'll be able to realign their focus on Jesus, you know, so whatever, you know, you go to work and it's like, I need a paycheck. But yeah, but go to work and focus on, on Jesus. And then let's respond in worship. So as we, as we wrap up our time, I want to pray for you in a minute. But I want you to think in, in one of several ways maybe you could respond. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you just need to hear these words. Don't be scared, be saved. Like, don't be scared, be saved. Just focus on Jesus. You can trust him. Others of you, maybe it can seem like, man, the wind is against me and, 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 and I'm kind of freaking out. Don't look at the wind and waves. Look for Jesus. Trust Jesus. He's not going to shout from the shoreline. He's going to come and, and, and work in your life. He's with you right now. Others of you, maybe you just need to ask afresh, like, who is Jesus? Have I lost sight of who he really is and what he could really do? And then for others of you, maybe it's time to say, you know, I don't want to just be a part of a Christ-centered culture. I'm going to be a Christ-centered person no matter what the culture around me is like. Would you bow your head with me and we're going to close our time together. And thank, thanks for letting me be with you today. And um, again, my heart's just to encourage you uh, this morning. But as we just bow our head for a moment and we close in prayer, I just want to encourage you right where you're at just to respond yourself. To 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 wherever you're at, heavenly Father, we just come before you in this moment, and in this space, and we thank you uh, for sending Jesus into the world, our broken world full of chaos. We thank you that He came two thousand years ago. We thank you that He died on a cross. We know He was buried in a tomb. Three days later, He was raised from the dead, and we thank you for resurrection. We We already sang about it earlier today. God, I just pray that there would be a special sense of the presence of Jesus in the hearts of this community, in the heart of this church. And that um, people that are just going through scary moments and times in their life would not focus on those scary moments or the price of gas or the medical situation, but that they would just focus on Jesus right now. That, God, you'd help all of us to turn our eyes, our hearts, our attention to Jesus. And Jesus, I thank you for your words, your eternal words. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It is I. Don't be afraid. Jesus, that you're with us. We thank you for that right now. And we pray that you'd help us just to center our hearts and lives on you and to reach those around us so they can know the good news and the love of Jesus in their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.